Father, remain standing just for a moment. Last Sunday, we observed together that black lives matter. We're joined with thousands of people of every color to speak out against forces that destroy black lives from the outside. Today, I want to extract some principles and some practical points from the life of a man who was highly esteemed by the Lord. If we can learn from this man, it will be as if we have a hedge around us to protect us and our wives and our sons and our daughters. Anybody here who you would like to have a hedge of protection around you? <laughs> Hallelujah. Matthew 1.18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her, did not become sexually involved with her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. We want to talk today about Joseph, the forgotten man. Would you say that after me, please? The forgotten man. Please be seated. Three human characters play the leading parts in the Christmas drama. All of them project and portray characters of great nobleness and great praiseworthiness. We should note that these three characters comprise a family group. They were a family, a husband, a wife, Jesus. This blessed family confronted a kaleidoscope of experiences. They were beset by pressures that would have destroyed many families. But they came through their ordeal with flying colors. Christmas is a time when most people want to be with their families. Family concerns are foremost in the minds of all. But I submit to you that family concerns should be foremost not only at Christmas time, but they should be foremost in our minds at all times. Because a demonic plot to destroy the family has been launched. And the family in its God-ordained traditional form is now considered by many to be outmoded and unnecessary. Rather than just getting married, people just move in together, live their lives together without the benefit of marriage. Said that marriage is an institution of the past. It doesn't make sense. Man, woman, children. It'd be man, man, woman, woman are just living together, said to be the style of the future. Somebody ought to say, hmm. <laughs> Even the traditional roles of 
Man and woman are being radically reconceived. But the family is God ordained. I said the family is God ordained. And the family is a basic unit of society. The plight of families determines the plight of the nation and of the world. I said the plight of families will determine the plight of our nation and of our world. As goes the home, so will go the nation. So the importance of the family is illustrated by the fact that the central characters in history's most important day comprise a family unit. Let's observe this little family. And let's observe, especially in this little family, the forgotten member of the ideal family. Joseph, who was to become the foster father of the Messiah, the Son of God, is one of the least known characters in the Bible and in the Christmas narrative. In the minds of men today, the shepherds and the wise men play a larger role, a more significant role than that of Joseph. This man who has the responsibility of caring for the Son of God is not broadly or highly recognized or noted in the Word of God or in the books of history. But though little is known about Joseph, it stands to reason that Joseph must have been a person of noble character and moral integrity. Joseph must have really been somebody. For it was this little known man whom God chose to watch over the universe's greatest treasure. Very few people took note of Joseph. Very few people considered Joseph worthy of any high regard. But it does seem definite to me that God took high regard and high notice of Joseph. Some people even today are aware of the little note given to them by men because men do not notice them or acclaim them. They feel that God also is paying no attention to them. They feel unrewarded. They feel insignificant. They will almost ask themselves, well, what's the use of trying? What's the use of being just? What's the use of being righteous? What's the use of trying to attain something? Some feel that because they're not before the public eye, that they might as well just let it all hang out and do whatever they want to do. Since nobody is paying attention to them, since nobody is depending on them, they decide to disregard virtue and to disregard righteousness. They say, since nobody is noticing, I'll just do my thing. But they forget that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. They forget that though men may not take particular note of them, God is taking note of them. And not only is God taking note of them, God is depending on them. Tell your neighbor, God's depending on you. Joseph never forgot this. Joseph tried to live a life that would be pleasing to God. He tried to live according to the will of God, the plan of God for his life. And when God needed somebody, Joseph was ready. God is doing something special in the situation in which all of us live. We can be involved in what God is doing if we let God and God's word prepare us and make us ready. Joseph lived in Nazareth, a small town in Galilee. He was a carpenter by trade. And he had fallen in love with a beautiful young lady by the name of Mary. It seemed that Mary also loved Joseph. 
I assume that some of you have husbands and fathers who sometimes feel unappreciated. The unfortunate fact is that there are many husbands and fathers who feel unappreciated and disrespected and forgotten. I know there are some terrible husbands and some terrible fathers in the world. There are some irresponsible, lazy, abusive men in the world, some toxic, toxic, abusive, abrasive ladies in the world too. Somebody say amen. But how many of you know there are some good men in the world? How many of you know there are some good ladies in the world? May I just pause to say a good man needs appreciation. He needs love. And he needs respect. Don't always tell him what needs to be done. Thank him for what he has done. Take time to tell him how much you appreciate him for what he is and for what he has done. So many men give up because they feel forgotten. Because they feel neglected. But to those who would feel that way, I would say just be a good man anyhow. Be a good man anyway. A good man is a good man all the time. And he's a good man amid adversity and trouble. And so we're focusing on this good man who might have had reason to feel unappreciated. And so as I've said, he lived in Nazareth, a small town in Galilee. He was a carpenter by trade. And he'd fallen in love with a beautiful young lady by the name of Mary. And it seemed that Mary had also fallen in love with Joseph. And after a while, they became engaged, a betrothed to one another. A spousal, a betrothal, meant more than engagement means today. A spousal took place during a ceremony during which a partners, the partners solemnly pledged faithfulness and fidelity to one another. And espousal was almost as binding as marriage was, and it could only be ended by divorce. A betrothed woman was considered a widow if her fiancé were to die. In the Bible, in verse 19 of the text, calls Joseph Mary's husband. But betrothal became marriage when the bridegroom took the bride to his home. And the marriage was consummated. And so Joseph and Mary were betrothed to one another, but not yet married to one another. And Joseph could not have been more happy. He could not have been more proud. He looked forward to the day when Mary would really become his wife. And he would carry her to his home with him. But all of a sudden, Mary left town went to visit her relative, Elizabeth. And Mary left in such a hurry that it puzzled Joseph. She was away for almost three months, and her family could give no exception and no explanation except for the fact that Elizabeth was having a baby. And so when Mary returned home, Joseph discovered that she was pregnant. She was going to have a child. And he, knowing that they had not been together sexually, was filled with agony and filled with perplexity. But it's at this point that Joseph shows how he was different from most people. The average person would have exploded in a rage, would have resorted to violence or berated, berated uh, Mary and exposed her publicly, or at least he would have immediately ended the relationship and rushed away from her. But though Joseph was hurt, though Joseph was disappointed, he did not allow his emotions to get the best of him. He was not hot-headed. He paused to think. And he paused to reasonably determine what he should do. I think that's a wise policy. Don't be hot-headed. Don't act 
rashly. Don't resort to a rage, but think things through. Few people think before they act. One reason this man was so special to God was that he was the kind of person who paused to think things through. Men today who would be successful and would reach reasonable goals think things through before they go into action. And so Joseph talked to Mary and he heard Mary's explanation. And Mary was unshakable in her claim that she had not done anything wrong, that she had not been unfaithful. And she told Joseph that an angel had appeared to her, said that the Holy Ghost would create human life within her, and that she was to be the mother of the Messiah, the Savior of the world. She was informed that this was to take place without the involvement of a man, but by the creative act of Almighty God. Joseph did not know what to think about that, but he did know that he was not obligated to marry a woman who was going to have a child that was not his child. But he still had a problem. If he left her and said nothing, people would always believe that Joseph had done wrong and then was not man enough to face up to his responsibility. There are some men who do wrong and won't face up to their responsibility. Y'all must be afraid of me today. I said there, I said, what in the world is he going to say next? I said there are some men who do wrong and are not man enough to face up to their responsibility. And so to guard against having that kind of reputation, Joseph could have shouted his innocence from the housetops. Some folk, even when they do wrong, shout their innocence from the housetop. Uh-huh. He could have shouted his innocence from the housetop, but if he had done that, he would have to destroy Mary's reputation. And what if he destroyed her reputation and found out that she was telling the truth? And so Joseph finally decided, amid the options, that he would rather have people think badly of him than to destroy Mary's reputation and have her branded as an adulteress. He would just let people think he had done wrong, that he had been too low down to do right and marry Mary and let them think that that was the kind of person that he was. Now, this illustrates how noble and how just Joseph was. Joseph was thoughtful. Joseph was considerate. He was willing to be forgotten and ill thought of for somebody else's sake. Are you all with me today? It's important. It was important that the foster father of Jesus would be a man like this. If he had not been a, a proud man, a, a selfish man, would have attempted to use the child to make a reputation for himself. Miracles, $5 a piece. See the Son of God, $15 a piece. He would have used Jesus to exalt his reputation, his stature, and to benefit himself economically. God really needed a man who would silently look on while God's plan unfolded. God needed a man who would make his contribution and not demand the spotlight, not demand some enhancement of himself personally. If Joseph had been a man who acted emotionally or a man who acted on impulse, he would negatively have affected all of eternity. And so Joseph paused to think things through. While he was meditating and thinking, God had an opportunity to deal with him. Men, 
If you learn how to meditate and pray and spend quiet time before the Lord, the Lord will be able to deal with you. It's very unwise to get ahead of God. Lord, help me preach today. It's very unwise to make your decisions and come to your conclusions without consulting with God. Men who lead families, men who make decisions for families, would do well to have God as their constant companion. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. While Joseph meditated on the matter, God had an opportunity and God had time to deal with him. And God said in Matthew 1 and 20, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife. That which is conceived in her of her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bring forth a son. You will call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The Bible says all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which is being translated God with us. The Bible says in verse 24, then Joseph being aroused from sleep did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her, did not become sexually involved with her until she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. Jesus was born of a virgin. Joseph, her husband, did not have sexual relationship with her until after Jesus was born. He lived in a house with her almost a year and did not become sexually involved. Joseph was a man who had his flesh under control. God is looking for some folk who have their flesh under control. God had a man who was willing to forego pleasure and gratification for a larger good. Joseph was not the kind of man who said, I can't help it. So many folk have the can't help it. They feel that they cannot live without sin. But the Bible still says, thou shalt not commit adultery and flee fornication. Uh-huh. No sin to be tempted. It's just a sin to be out of control. And Joseph is a witness. He's a living example that things can be kept under control. Can I preach today? Well, let me tell you quickly why I believe in the virgin birth and why I believe Jesus was born of a virgin. I believe in the virgin birth because the Bible tells me that Jesus was born of a virgin. And since everything else that the Bible tells me is true, then everything else that the Bible has predicted is true, then I believe that the Bible is telling the truth when it speaks regarding the virgin birth. But beyond this, I believe in the virgin birth because as I've often said, the one who saved the world would have to, number one, be worthy to save us. He had to be, number two, related to us. And he would have to be, number three, innocent of any sin himself. Since all have sinned, since men have sinned, since they have come short of the glory of God, since all men were as an unclean thing, since all of our righteousness was like filthy rags, since all men like sheep had gone astray, then it, it, it would have to be a man who died for us, have to be a man who suffered in our place. And that man would have to be innocent. If he himself was guilty, then he would be dying for his own sins and not for the sins of the world. And so he had to be a man. And he had to be related to us. 
and he had to be righteous. He had to be righteous himself. And then he would have to be worthy. For this was not to be uh, the death of one person for another person. This was to be the death of one man for all men who had lived before that time, who lived at that time, and who would live in the future. And so the virgin birth of the incarnation of the Son of God was the solution to the problem. John 1.14 says, The Word was made flesh, and it dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, that he might redeem them that were under the law, and that we might receive the adoption of sons. God gave his Son, his Son who was innocent, his Son who was worthy, his Son who was related to us, to come to the earth and die for our sins. I believe in the virgin birth because God is consistent and God is holy. And it would be inconsistent for a holy God to bring his son to birth on the earth as the fruit of an unrighteous or as an adulterous act. Our holy God is a holy God. Let me tell you why else I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the virgin birth because such a thing is easy for God. You might say it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. If God could create this universe of ours, if God could fling the stars against the blackness of the night and create the sun and the moon, if God could coordinate and synchronize this whole universe of ours, if God could teach the bird to fly and the fish to swim and make everything that is upon the earth, don't you know God can manipulate his creation any way he wants to? Hallelujah. If God could do all that, certainly he could bring one life into existence without an earthly father. Men are now cloning animals and maybe cloning human beings and doing things that in the past we thought they could never do. If they could do that, then our God could bring his son to earth without the involvement of a man. I believe in the virgin birth because everything else Jesus did was supernatural. Supernatural in the way he walked on water. Supernatural in the way he raised the dead. Supernatural in the way he spoke to the storm and stilled the storm. Supernatural in the way he healed those that were sick. And if he could do all those things supernaturally, then he could supernaturally come to this earth and be born of a woman who was a virgin. Come on and help me praise the Lord. One so supernatural in death and in life and a resurrection would have to be supernatural in his birth. So is there anybody in here who believes in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. And so Jesus, and so Joseph, having received his instruction from heaven, quickly obeyed God. When he thought and meditated and prayed and God gave him instructions, Joseph obeyed. On four occasions, God directed Joseph and Joseph obeyed each and every time God spoke to him. In the first dream, God told Joseph not to be afraid to marry uh, Mary and, and Joseph married Mary and again God warned Joseph to carry Mary and the child into Egypt uh, and, and, and Joseph carried Mary and the child into Egypt uh, and in a third dream God sent Joseph and Mary back to Israel and, and Joseph packed up and moved back to Israel and in the fourth dream God sent them to live in Nazareth and Joseph said we're going to live in Nazareth each time God spoke to him Joseph obeyed. Child of God, if you want to really be blessed, if you really want to rise to that level that God has in store for you, every time God speaks to you, obey God. Seek God. Inquire of God's will, God's plan. And when God speaks, obey the will and the plan of God because God is looking for some fathers who will obey him. I said he's looking for some fathers who will obey him. And my Bible says, if you are willing 
and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. If you know I'm telling the truth, clap your hands and give praise to God. If children are going to obey their parents, if wives are expected to submit themselves to their husbands, then husbands have got to be willing and fathers have got to be willing to obey God. And if you don't obey God, then your right to rule over and to lead those that are around you is reduced. But if you're willing to obey God, then God will lead you and direct you. How many of you know God will lead those who inquire of him? You're not on your own in this thing called life. You're not by yourself. If you seek God's will, God will direct you. God will somehow, some way, cause you to end up to the place where you need to be to be blessed and to be successful. Clap your hands and give praise to God. God will not leave you in confusion. God will not leave you bewildered. If you will follow God's lead, you and your family will escape tragedy and you'll escape disaster. When God is the head of the house, then things go well in the house. How many of you know I'm telling the truth? And so from that time forward, from that time forward, Joseph patiently fulfilled his responsibilities as a father and as a provider. He consistently worked as a carpenter to take care of his family to take care of the one who became his wife. Nobody made much of a fuss over Joseph. The Bible does not describe his activities during this period. And how is it, people, that wrong and error sometimes attract more attention than good and righteousness? Crime and lawlessness fill the newspaper more than the good things that people do and the kind things that people pursue. And so it was with Joseph. He worked hard. He loved his family. He was a sparkling example of love, a sparkling example of devotion. He did not demand that Jesus look to him as father. He did not demand that Jesus look upon him authoritatively in his life. Jesus was subject but Joseph was mindful and thoughtful that this is the Son of God. This is the Savior of the world. And he was more mindful of it even than Mary was mindful of it. For when Jesus was 12 years old and they went to Jerusalem, he was accidentally left behind because he was in the temple talking to the priests and talking to the elders. When they found Jesus, Mary rebuked him and said, Did you not know that we had been looking for you? And Jesus said, You don't know, woman, that I've got to be about my father's business. That's the main agenda of my life. And while Mary was running her mouth and fussing, Joseph was cool, calm, and collected observing the working of God in the life of the child. He understood and said nothing. Parents, please understand today that the survival and happiness of your children is dependent on the relationship that they develop with God. Don't you go to church and leave them at home. Don't you go to heaven and not make sure they're on their way to heaven also. Don't you read the Bible and never read the Bible to your children. The best thing you can ever do for a child is make sure your child knows Jesus Christ. Make sure your child is a saved child. Have them in the various youth activities. Make sure they are in Sunday school class. Make sure they know all they need to know about the Lord. Make sure they know the will of God for their lives. Make sure your children have a relationship with God. And so Joseph was willing to step into the background and make sure that the relationship that Jesus had with God 
was developed. He was in the temple. He was talking to the elders. He was talking to the priests. And I'm sure he confounded them by his wisdom and by his knowledge. Joseph stepped into the background. But though he stepped into the background, he will not always be in the background. Men might not have recognized him, but God recognized him. And after a while, I said after a while, when the dead in Christ shall arise, after a while, when history will expand into eternity, after a while, when Mary's baby comes again, he's died for our sins, he's ascended back into heaven. But how many of you know he's coming back again? When Jesus comes back, oh, bless the name of God. The Bible says the trump of God is going to sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. And we that are alive and remain are going to be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Hallelujah. I'm sure that one of the first ones Jesus is going to reach out for is Joseph, the one who took care of him, the one who fed him, the one who watched over him on the earth. And Jesus is going to say, come on up, Joseph, get by my side. Jesus, who lived in his home, will say, now I've been living in your house, but I want you to come over to my house. In my father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you so. Joseph will not be forgotten. He'll have his crown. He'll have his reward. He'll hear God say, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. So we've talked about a man who was a real man. We've talked about a man who was a selfless man. We've talked about a man who was not impulsive, not moody. We've talked about a man who consulted with God and sought the will of God. But how many of you know we need some men like that today? And we need some women like that today. Our children are being destroyed. Our children are destroying. And we need some fathers who will guide their children in the way of the Lord. We need some fathers who will love their children and love their wives and hold their families together in the midst of the turmoil and in the midst of trouble. The world is topsy-turvy. Wicked men are vying for the center stage, but God still needs somebody. I said he needs somebody who will do his will. He needs somebody who will seek his way. He needs somebody who will say, Lord, thy will be done. Isaiah was in the temple. Hallelujah. King Uzziah had died. The great king that raised the people of the Lord to a level of significance and prosperity had died. A depression came over the land. Isaiah was depressed, discouraged. He went into the temple in the same year that Uzziah died. He was praying and calling on Lord, but he prayed until he saw something. People of the Lord, we need to pray until we see something. It may not happen right away, but keep on praying. He prayed and he said in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. There were angels flying to and fro, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And the angel said, whom shall we send? And who will go for us? God is still looking for somebody that he can send. He's still looking for somebody who will go and do his will and pursue his work. He's still looking for somebody who will say, here am I. Lord, send me. 
Isaiah said, I'm not worthy. I don't deserve it. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips. But the Lord sent an angel over to the altar to get a hot coal of fire. He picked up that hot coal of fire, brought it over to Isaiah, touched Isaiah's lips with that hot coal of fire and said, Lo, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is purged and your sin is taken away. And then again, I heard the voice say, Whom shall we sin and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here am I. Here am I. Lord, send me. He'd been touched by the fire. He'd been touched by the flame. He'd been purged by the righteousness of Almighty God. And he was ready. God works by fire. He set a bush on fire. And the bush was not consumed. When Moses came to watch the fire, he sent down fire upon the altar where the sacrifice was. And the fire consumed the, the sacrifice. Oh, yes, it did. Oh, bless the name of God. On the day of Pentecost, when the day was fully come, there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it set upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I just thought I'd tell you, like Isaiah, we need the fire. God says, I wish you were either hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. And because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. But when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They heard a sound like as of a rushing mighty wind. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it set upon each one of them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is like that fire. The Holy Ghost will cleanse. The Holy Ghost will enlighten. In the days of the Bible, they did not have electric lights. They did not have fluorescent lights. Fire was the only light they had. And today the fire can be the light to us to guide us in the way of God, to show us God's will, to reveal to us God's plan. I don't know about you, but my prayer, my prayer is Lord, fill me again. Lord, send the fire. Lord, send your anointing. Lord, move in my life so that I can say, here am I, send me. Would you raise your hand and say, Lord, here am I, send me. God needs somebody like you. Turn over to your neighbor and say, God needs somebody like you. God needs what you have to offer, but you've got to have the fire of the Holy Ghost at work in your life. I'm tired of sitting around church and not feeling the power. I'm tired of going through the motions and not having the anointing. I'm tired of struggling and striving on my own. God is able, I said he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we may ask that we may thank him. Clap your hands and praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Stand up and praise him. Lord, Lord, send the fire. Lord, send the anointing. Lord, help us. Lord, take us higher. Lord, let your power show up in our lives, show up in our homes, show up on the job, show up in my life. Fill me with your power, 
that I might do your will and walk in your way. Come on and praise him. Oh, praise him. Oh, praise him. Oh, praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lift up those hands. Lord, fill us again. Anoint us again. Let your power rest upon us again. Oh, dear Lord, how desperately we need you. Can't make it without you. Need you in our homes. Need you on the job. Need you in our lives. We face a new year, 2015. But God, we can't make it through this year without your help and without your power. Lift up your hands and say, Lord, send the power. Send the anointing in the name of Jesus. Let's worship him. Worship him. Worship him. Hallelujah. 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 We love you. We praise you. We glorify you. We need you. We want to be the people you would have us to be. We want to walk like you'd have us to walk. Send the power. Send the power. Send the power. Send the power. You're loaded by Kosi. Hallelujah. 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 The Holy Ghost is here. The anointing is here. The power is here. Praise your Lord. Praise your Lord. Open your mouth and praise him. Open your mouth and give him glory. Hallelujah. And so, dear Lord, we pray for your children. You observe the life of a good man. We've seen, dear Lord, how he lived before you, how he served you, and how he brought glory to your name, how you enabled him to be the man that God needed for the moment time that he lived. Lord, help us to be the men and women that you need to bring glory to your name and to do your will. Bless us, O oh God, that we might be a blessing to our community, to our children, to the folk on our job, everywhere we go. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Amen. I want to speak to somebody today who does not know Jesus. I spoke to you about a man who was an exemplary man by the power and the might of God. And God is calling for men and women today who will be his people and who will live according to his will and according to his way. And I believe there's somebody whom God has called who has not responded to the call of God. You've lived on this earth. You've done what you felt was best for you. But you've not sought the will, the plan of Almighty God. Listen, God has a plan for your life. And when you submit to God's plan, God causes all things to work together for your good if you love him and if you're called according to his purpose. I don't want you to miss what God has in store for you. I don't want you to allow some non-essential on this earth to cause you to miss the things that are essential for God to bless you the way he wants to. If you're not saved, I want to pray for you right where you stand. If you've not accepted Jesus, as Savior and Lord, I want to believe God with you for your salvation. 
every sin you've ever committed can be forgiven. Jesus can become Lord of your life. So while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, if there's anybody here today who would say, Preacher, pray for me. I want my sins forgiven. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to go to heaven. I want to hear God say, well done. Would you pray for me that Jesus would come into my life? Yes, I'll pray for you. But I need to know that you desire prayer. If you're here today and you say, preacher, pray for me, I just want you to raise your hand. I'll pray for you right where you stand, right where you are. The word of God has touched your heart. If God has spoken to you in a special way. If you want to be the man, the woman that God would have you to be, it's never too late. Lift that hand and hold it high. Lift that hand and hold it high. Preacher, pray for me. I need God to do something great, something significant. I want to be forgiven. I want salvation. I want to be saved. Lift that hand. Lift that hand. Lift that hand. I'm going to pray. Dear Lord, I pray for every individual in this room that has said, pray for me. I want you, Lord, to bless everyone whose hand was uplifted and bless those who did not lift their hands. In the name of Jesus, come into their hearts, come into their lives. Set them free from everything not like you. Bring them to yourself, dear God, and bless their lives to be the lives that you would have their lives to be. Save them, forgive them, transform them. In Jesus' name. Everybody say this prayer after me. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me for the wrong I've done and the wrong I have been. I want to be saved. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for me. I believe he arose from the dead. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior and I give my life to him and I thank you Lord I am forgiven I thank you Lord I am saved I thank you Lord I have new life clap your hands and praise God